Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Here's your host, Randy Tobler. It's 7.08 and a lot of rancor in the last uh, couple weeks. Well, since the very beginning of the Missouri General Assembly, especially in the Senate. Uh, yesterday, though, it seems as though that maybe the wheels of governance got lubricated a little bit. And the person in charge of all of that in the Senate, the president of the Senate, Caleb Rowden, joins us. Senator Rowden, welcome to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Good to be with you. So what are your thoughts after uh, things started moving a little bit? You seems like you broke the logjam a little bit last Thursday when you <laughs> said, hey, I'm going to refer all these bills. You want them referred now? I dare you. Don't pass those gubernatorial appointments. Then there was more back and forth, but eventually they were passed. Where are we? What happened and where are we and where are we going? Yeah, so, I mean, I had offered, you know, they, they and my dates might not be exactly right, but I, I think two weeks ago, Monday, earlier this Monday, um, you know, these guys started basically hijacking the place every day. Not long after that, I offered them a deal, which wasn't really a deal. It was just kind of a statement of what I think normal business should be, which was, you know, let those gubernatorial appointments go. They didn't have any stated uh, objection to any of them. I'd refer all the bills. We always knew IP reform, once it got referred, was going to, um, you know, get to committee and be heard quickly. So um, I offered them that deal, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, they said no. They did what, the, what what everybody has seen them do for the last two weeks, and then they came to me um, yesterday and said, basically, we'll, we'll take your deal, um, which was, I think it's the it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen because there was no, you know, usually in the Senate or in any any negotiation, you know, you you want to get something for um, the work that you've done. Um, in this instance, you know, I don't, I'm not sure it was work, but whatever they were doing for the last number of days, um, but they got nothing. I mean, it was it would they just decided they were going to bloviate for two weeks and then and then we did what we what i what i said we were going to do two weeks ago so i mean hopefully it's a sign of things to come um i i don't know that i'm optimistic yet but i think we've at least for the moment we've gotten past the, the craziness you've been accused of uh having moving goalposts in behind the scenes negotiations that things are imminently going to be agreed upon uh not this last but previous weekend and again in the middle of last week uh, want to comment on that? I mean, it's it's been you know on interviews on various uh, media here and in St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, I, I could I would have way more people that would attest to you know my my um, um, keep, keeping deals what they are as opposed to I think the people who are accusing me of moving the goalposts. You even saw yesterday, um, you know, Senator Moon was uh, was attempting to hold up the the uh, confirmation of Senator Dan Hageman. Uh, because he didn't make a motion to override a governor's veto. We made him aware of the fact that he actually did make the motion, and then he said that wasn't good enough uh, and kept going for uh, for a time. So uh, it's the reason why I said, and I, I, I tweeted, um, I don't know, middle of last week, I guess, uh, what, what this deal was, which was gubernatorial appointments go, bills get referred, uh, IP reform moves forward, um, I, because I think these guys have used um, – you use their actual moving of the goalposts on any number of things and trying to overlap 
um, you know, eight or eight or ten different negotiations into one uh, to say that I'm doing it. So I, I said, well, I'm done with this. I'm just going to put it out on Twitter and say it on radio interviews and every other place, which is what I, what I did. And so what they agreed to yesterday is what I what I put on Twitter last <laughs> week. So again, I, I, it's kind of crazy, but you know, here we are. Senator, we appreciate joining us live. I know that the, uh, the a lot of the focus from the Capitol Press Corps, and rightfully so, has been on let's face it it's kind of a battle or has been a battle between you you and cindy laughlin and the freedom caucus and we'll, we'll see if things can can be resolved on that the republicans still have in your chamber a 24 to 10 supermajority, and very little attention is focused on those 10 democrats they are in the super minority after all but they are 10 senators how is your relationship a with senator rizzo in b with the rest of the democratic caucus do they do they you know what when what have they said about all this well they haven't had to say much which is uh which is you know you have to lay that blame at the feet of the guys who've been doing most of the talking Mm -hmm. uh up until now i have a great relationship with john uh, with senator rizzo um you know he's he is uh a, a a democrat from a red now now for sure what was a is a red district i'm a a Republican from a blue district, I think that you know affords us uh, so, some interesting um, commonalities as it relates to you know how we view governance in in the Missouri Senate. Uh, you know, but we they know you know at some point this year, and and these guys have delayed it for a, a season, but. At some point this year, we're going to get back to, um, you know, talking about things that the Democrats are going to be up on, whether it's education reform, which I think we'll see maybe next week, whether it's IP reform, which I think maybe we'll see next week. You know, the, the thing about the Dems that I appreciate there, uh, Senator Eigel had a rule change um, a, a few weeks back, had a, a series of them, um, uh, but one of them in particular I think would have been actually very, very good for the minority, which would have would have been very good for Democrats in this case. And the Dems um, voted with us, voted with the majority of Republicans, not because it was good for them, but because they thought it what what he was proposing to do was bad for the Senate. So, you know, you can have disagreements, political and and, uh, philosophical differences and still believe in the in, in the sanctity and, and kind of the integrity of that chamber. So I applaud him for that. But we're going to have fights, and we're going to be days where we disagree, and we're going to be, you know, um, on opposite sides of things, and that's that's fine. That's the way it's supposed to be. President of the Missouri Senate, Caleb Rowden, joins us on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Senator, in your, your opening day address, you talked about your faith, and it's no secret, you know, with your background in Christian music and all, I mean, you're a good Christian and all. How has that served you? And I think for a lot of people out there, you know, they might accuse lawmakers of parading out the the faith card when it seems expedient. But I mean, that's that's where you come from. It's got it's got to help when you get into these situations. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I certainly don't. I think people who have interacted with me, you know, in an ongoing manner, know I don't wear it on my sleeve every day. But but certainly has been a part of uh, you know the things that have driven me and motivated me to be where I am and, and to operate where I am. I think, um, you know, you, you have, you, you always have to recognize in politics um, that, that there are, there are bigger things. There are more important things out there, whether that's faith, whether that's, you know, me in my case, having a, a you know, a beautiful wife and three kids that I get to come home to every, every day, even on like, not, not the overnight day uh, yesterday, but, um, but, you know, most, most nights I come home, I get to put them to bed. I get to take them to school. 
um, you know, I think I think one thing that and I and I appreciate all that. I think one thing that I've seen in, in kind of this new brand of politics that, that, that I'll just never you know prescribe to is that I, I think I see it and I see it on both sides. You you, you have this tendency for your 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 politics to become your religion, uh, you know, and in, in, in almost in some way. And I, I just think that's really really dangerous um, for for any number of reasons. I think um, you know there there is a there's a spiritual reality and there's a, a physical reality there's po- political realities that exist and there's some overlap there but i think you know ultimately for me my faith is about a relationship with christ it's not about um you know political um uh, philosophical type things and then you know i have those other political leanings that are driven and motivated by my faith so it's 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 something that you know i uh, it's it's easy for me to fall back on and it, it is something that kind of keeps me grounded even in the midst of some of these kind of crazy days as we've seen well and it appears there might be more crazy days ahead i'm going to zoom back in and i'm looking at the perfection calendar and you know if you could speak a little bit about the process in the senate and what i'm looking at is the first bill um on the list is i think the fra bill which we've heard uh will be pretty uh contentious and then we've got senator koenig's bill about empowerment scholarship accounts and charter schools um you know we heard some rumblings from the freedom caucus that ip needed to come out first has there been any discussion about we're not going to let fra out if you don't bump ip ahead of that and what's the process for the order in which the senate takes up bills yeah the senate has to go to bills in order relative to uh, you know what, what what position they are on the calendar now there are plenty of times where um the bill sponsors for any of those bills that, that you know maybe it's not ready for prime time they're still working on negotiations they can put that bill on an informal calendar and then that allows senator laughlin to go to it any time that you know that that um the stakeholders think that we're ready to do it yeah the fra is a big fight four and a half billion dollars um the the the, we have a a really good and i think healthy um you know for our state uh fra federal reimbursement allowance it's basically just a a tax that that healthcare providers put on themselves to help fund um fund uh health care in our state um, you know, there, there'll be a fight to put a uh, defund Planned Parenthood language inside of that. We think it doesn't, we, we think it doesn't fit. We, we, it's not uh, a part, it shouldn't be a part of that discussion. Uh, we, we're fine with defunding, you know, passing a defunding Planned Parenthood bill. I, I will say that Planned Parenthood hasn't gotten one dime uh, since I have been the pro tem, which would have, you know, January of, of, of last year. Uh, and the only money that they've gotten in the last few years is because of a court order uh, that, that forced the General Assembly to do it. So I think we can have separate discussions on that and not, you know, put in, put four and a half billion dollars into limbo. But yeah, you know, ESAs are after that and then we'll have a, a conversation on IP. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be two or three or four, you know, pretty heavy fights. Um, not all the same, um, uh, proponents and o- o- opponents on all those bills. So I think you'll see the Dems get involved on ESAs, obviously. And then certainly I think there'll be the, the loudest and probably the only opposition on uh, IP. So yeah, we'll have some we'll have some big fights coming up. We're talking with Senator Caleb Rowden. A question for you about uh, the chaos that seems to perennially happen at the end of the session, the last yeah. week, several days. Is there any? I mean, it, it predates your tenure. Uh, is there anything that you and Senator Laughlin and others uh, can do to make a difference in that realm? Because I think that just to, to anyone looking at the scene, it goes like, why? I mean, this is like people writing the term paper, you know, at the 11th hour. Is there any <laughs> yeah. way to get around that? You know, I, I thought when I became majority leader in 2019, I, I, I was dead set on trying to figure it out. Um, and, you know, there's always things you can do. There's always 
yeah, we've seen it now. I mean, the first three bills on our calendar this year are, are all big bills. I mean, things that I, I think, um, you know, take up a lot of bandwidth and if and when we get them done would be big wins, that being the FRA, um, education savings accounts, and um, and IP reform. Uh, the, the problem is, uh, and kind of where the, 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 the hiccups are, there are some bills, and certainly more specifically to, to bills that um, are Republican versus Democrat, there are some things in our chamber that just we know the only way that we're going to get them done um, is is to, to move to the previous question, which you know cuts off debate and, and, and takes us to a vote. We don't do that often, um, but when we do, I think a lot of people don't realize it, it take. I mean, it it takes the air out of the room uh, for a long, long time. You also have a reality where we have to pass a budget. We usually pass a budget. Um, the, 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 the second and third to last weeks of session, um, that's when the Senate gets it, gets it into conference and we get those done. The, 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 the Freedom Caucus guys and some others, but mostly the Freedom Caucus guys, they vote no on all the budget bills. And so we have, uh, and I don't, I, I, you know, I don't really have an opinion of them doing that or not, but there are some bills where, you know, we actually have to have Democrat votes to pass budget bills. Uh, and so, you know, you have this tension where, okay, well, if we, let's say we move the previous question on, on IP reform in February, the Democrats aren't really going to be excited to and probably won't help us get a budget done. Um, and then we have uh, a, a special session on the budget on our hands, which we have, you know, which hasn't happened in a long time. So there's a bunch of realities there um, that, that make things way more complicated. You can do some work to get some of the stuff out of the way early, but the big stuff that you're going to have to cut the bait off if you ever do that at, at, at this at this point, it just has to happen at the end of yeah. session. There's really no way around it, and so it's a, yeah. it's a tough reality. But um, but you know we yeah. haven't figured out a way to fix it quite yeah. yet. Sounds like I'm asking for a football game where the other side doesn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> that would be okay. All righty. Hey, thanks for being with us. Thanks for uh, giving your side of the story. We're having people that are accusing you on text of being unprincipled. Uh, why why are you saying nicer things about the Democrats than your Republican colleagues? And I'm shooting back to say I haven't heard the. Republican Freedom Caucus say many nice things about you and Senator O'Loughlin. So seems to be a, a goose and gander thing, doesn't it? <laughs> well, we're just we're, we're just we're just trying to get big stuff done. I know. And, you know, they can call me names. It's all good. I know. It seems like to roll off your back like off of the feathers of a goose. So hey, thanks a whole oh, lot. Yeah. Appreciate it, thanks, Caleb. Guys. All right. Well, um, guess who? Guess what happened? Something actually got done. It did. <laughs> it was messy, but and it they, got they're done. They're back in today. There's lots of committee hearings, yeah, so maybe I'm, we'll see more action. And he's determined in a principled way to move forward with things. When we come back, what's hot with Hannah? Seven twenty-five ish. This is Wake Up Mid Missouri. Watch the gang on our Facebook or YouTube channel. Find us at Wake Up Mid Missouri. It is 727, but Hannah has already given me Trump several a stack of Trump cards to play when ah. we have Caleb Rowden, when we have leadership, when we have these big... John, you know that big stack of Trump cards that trumps the 725 slot? You gave me those. I'm playing one of them now. Hi, See, Hannah. See, I think I gave you one of those, and you photocopied them. <laughs> yes, but as we, as we say at the table with the doctor, the joker is wild. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I cloned them, just like Dolly the Sheep way back when. What's up, Hannah? I have a unique Valentine's gift. Mm. If 
probably, let's be honest, the gentlemen listening um, are still looking for a gift for their sweetheart. There is a animal shelter in Pennsylvania in Lackawanna County, which that's so fun to say. I'm probably saying it wrong, but Lackawanna County. The animal shelter there is hosting an online fundraiser. And for the low, low price of $5, the Griffin Pond Animal Shelter will happily write the name of your choosing on a puppy potty pad. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, name a brick out in the courtyard? I think I have a star. (laughs) Kind of, sort of. You know when you got that certificate that, like, a star was named after you? That was such a scam. So they're they're raising the money to help with day to day operations with the animal shelter. Uh, so if you have a person in your life that maybe you would just really like to write their name on a uh, pee pad for a little puppy, <laughs> uh, hit, oh hit these goodness. guys up. I guess the Griffin Pond Animal Shelter in Lackawanna County, Pennsylvania. So I, there's an old Hillary Clinton joke in here. <laughs> We're not going there. <laughs> I told you all earlier that I heard the story about a bunch of cussing parrots. Yes. Like this zoo's having this problem. I don't want a puppy pee pad. I want a cussing parrot named after me is what I want. A parrot with a potty mouth. That would be entertaining. <laughs> I, yeah. I, so why would you want to sponsor a pee pad that then would get piddled on? I mean, I don't know. And right on away. your name. For five bucks? Thrown away. I think it's worth it. Uh, no. Well, Stephanie hates animals. I so. do. What? Yep. We have to, we need to have a counseling session about this. I, I do know. need a, does anyone, I have like a depressed fish. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> what? <laughs> Shouldn't let my, him listen to this show. My fish has depression and it, it keeps playing dead. Really? Yeah, really. All right. What's your depressed fish's name? I don't know. Gil? <laughs> well, maybe that's part of the problem. This is Mid-Missouri's official talk show. Wake up, Mid-Missouri. Official talk show. Who's that even mean? Official. Welcome back to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. It's 736. Glad you're with us. Getting all kinds of incoming on the text and call line, 573-874-9390. Randy, you're too soft on Caleb. Come on, be fair. Uh, be impartial. Uh, heads up, guys. Uh, that's not my job. My job is to ask some tough questions, <laughs> give you my opinion. Uh, that's what we're here to do. I mean, the station tagline, after all, is news analysis opinion. Right. right. And so that's what we're going to do. Uh, you know, and I will double down. I still haven't seen any bit of humility, which is a component of leadership. Humility is a strong component of every leadership training program, every bona fide uh, validated leadership, um, you know, advisory function that you'll ever go to. And I have not seen any of that from the Freedom Caucus. I've seen finger pointing and I've seen it's all everyone else's fault, uh, but I've not seen one bit of humility, whereas I have seen that from Cindy O'Loughlin particularly. Uh, and so, you know, I'm just going to call him the way I see him. I'm a balls and strikes guy. I may call him wrong. Uh, I'm get him wrong once in a while. But that's, you know, that's my opinion. And so, I, yeah. Well, okay, so we're not going to waste our time defending what we do here, but we're glad you're listening and glad you weigh in. Um, and I did throw a hardball question, by the way, uh, to Caleb Rowden at the end about being accused of not being principled and moving the goal. We've talked about all that. Now, Senator Travis Fitzwater is going to help us because he has a, he's got a view from outside. He's not a member of the Freedom Caucus. He's not really, you know, he's not very vocal in, you know, getting in the middle of the fight. And we welcome him to wake up in Missouri. How you doing? 
Hey, how are you all? We're doing good. And we really would like, from your, yes, insider position, being a state senator and watching this, what is your analysis of what's gone on over the last couple of weeks and especially uh, the last few days in the Missouri Senate? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. You talk about calling balls and strikes. That's what I feel like I'm trying to do as a state senator and not dig in on any one side. I, I don't think this is a one-sided issue. I think there's a lot of arguments to be made for Freedom Caucus. There's a lot of arguments to be made by leadership, uh, on the side of leadership. And I think that considering that we all kind of want the same thing, we want to vote on the same policies, we want to get the same big red meat type things done, uh, I think the, the argument is just how the process ought to work. And that's where I think I agree with leadership in the sense that we, we really need order for us to get to a point where we can get big things passed. And when you create chaos, uh, it just prevents us from getting in, in line to, to, to uh, actually get those things done. I so did. There's a lot going on. Yeah, I did appreciate your take in ranking the books that were read on the Senate floor. <laughs> and I do agree I with you my that Holly Rader's book was number one. And hearing her read the introduction to her uh, her book was uh, quite wonderful, actually. And I thought, is there an audible version of her book yet out? Because she should uh, self-read that book. And so it's one I've been meaning to pick up, and I will do so. So I guess following the actions of yesterday, and we, we talked to Senator Rowden this morning, it's kind of like, what's next? Next, you know, if if um, the Freedom Caucus comes out and says, you know, IP reform has to get, you know, in front of the FRA or, you know, we're going to put our foot down on property tax or whatever. I mean, are you optimistic after yesterday seeing that kind of both sides got what they wanted after a delay or are you still thinking we're going to end up right back where we were? I think considering what we've seen already in the first four and a half weeks of session, I, I don't I don't think that getting IP reform in committee and getting it out on the floor is the absolute answer. We, we still have to, there's still a lot of things to, to work through relationally in the Senate uh, that I think are, are still going to be uh, really interesting conversations going forward. My, my desire is we just get to work. You know, we get IP reform done, send it over to the house. We, we should have a discussion of property tax reform. We should, I have a bill myself on that. And uh, we have St. Louis crime issues. We have a lot of, we have a lot on the agenda that we need to get to, how that plays out, it really kind of depends on how much the Freedom Caucus wants to move forward and work through it and uh, how much um, the rest of the caucus wants to um, handle filibusters going forward. Senator Travis Fitzwater joins us on Wake Up Mid-Missouri at 740. Senator, when we talk to you right at the uh, beginning of session or going into beginning of the session, I know you talked about, you know, things being in the weeds and IP reform and all, but I know... That you, your take on open enrollment from last year, which is a big issue for a lot of families, yours included, was was too watered down. Where are we at with open enrollment, and is it going to proceed? Well, first of all, it, it'd be great to have big policy discussions in the Senate on, on stuff like school choice this year. So, my hope is that I'm, I'm proud of the House for taking a uh, taking a vote on a bill like that and getting it through. I believe they may have just passed it yesterday, I think was what I saw. Um, that's that's a good sign. I would love to see a uh, ESA level bill, an education savings account bill. There's one on the calendar in the, in the Senate right now. We could go to it any moment, uh, which would be great to have that discussion and see where we're at as, as, a, as the Senate. We've never had a discussion on a big ESA bill. Obviously we, we created an ESA savings situation through the treasurer's office a couple of years ago with a, with a, I think a $25 million cap, but those discussions need to be had and I, I hope we can get to them.
Senator, we appreciate joining us live. I know we had you on live as well at the governor's prayer breakfast, which was a couple of weeks ago. And, and uh, uh, things were optimistic at the time. We didn't realize what would happen in the in the next couple of weeks. And we'll see see what happens. You've got a couple of interesting bills. I'll just focus on one here for, for time purposes. But I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm fascinated by this bill. It's Senate Bill 1158. It requires the Office of Administration to establish guidelines for the removal of something called TikTok from state-owned IT. Two-part question. Do we have state employees that have TikTok on their computers? And B, what are you, are you optimistic about this thing going through? Again, I, you know, we've got to get to policy stuff in the Senate. So I think, I think every policy bill uh, is at this point, having been delayed a month is, is, you know, we have three and a half months left of session. So we've got plenty of time. And so I'm optimistic that we can get to those discussions. The TikTok bill, uh, you know, we just, a lot of us don't trust China mm-hmm. and having uh, Chinese owned um, affiliated social media network and thinking about state employees having that on their devices. We just need to make sure that can never happen. And so that's the, that's the bottom line on that. And uh, that's a bill that just makes a lot of sense and just to establish security for our own state. And just to follow up, so it's really more of a preventative measure than anything else. Yes, yeah. definitely. Gotcha. Thank you, Senator. Senator, uh, I, you mentioned IP reform. I think it's on everyone's mind. What can pass? I know there were several bills. Now there's been one, you know, I guess that's going to be moved forward. And secondly, when you talk about property tax reform, what what again it has can see the light of day i mean there are always the you know the extreme bills that are that want to just do away with it altogether that's created problems at the end of last session and lord knows what it'll do this session is this is there an incremental hope that the the listeners can have that eventually maybe it can be replaced where appropriate with something else and you don't have to rent your property from the government anymore yeah, I totally agree. So my start, my bill is a, is a dialed back. It just has the depreciation schedule that we agreed to last year on the Senate floor and with the House that just couldn't get across the finish line for various reasons. Uh, I really appreciate Senator Eigel's uh, desire to get something like this done. And he, we, he and I have worked together on that issue. Uh, his Obviously, his desire is to get rid of the whole thing. But I also think he, at the end of the day, he knows that the the most likely path is to do some depreciation schedule on personal property, like your cars and tractors and things like that, and giving some relief where you're actually at some point owning your property, which is crazy that that's not the case. So um, I think we all agree on that. And with, with revenues through the roof the last several years for every, basically every government entity under the sun, giving some relief to Missourians feels like the, the right path to go on, on something like property tax reform. Uh, you know, last year we also passed the senior property tax freeze, and that was—I think—that's a big change. There's some there's some bills going through this year that really need to get done to kind of define what that needs to look like. But giving relief to folks on fixed incomes is is a great way to go about giving some relief to folks. And so there's there's a lot of different ideas on it, but I think we just got to keep moving the needle. And the way to do it is has got to be incremental because you can't just pull the rug out from everybody. You've got to figure out what's the what's the right path that we can handle. Uh, and then go from there. I, you know, I'd also would love to see a property tax kind of phase out, but that would take, you know, probably decades to get to that point where we figure out how to, how do you, um, how do you replace the, the income that takes care of firefighters, police, all the, all the services that we, you know, we can't defund in our districts. Uh, and, and we have to do it intelligently. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Well, I'm hearing a little bit of optimism. I mean, that if people can put personal things aside, and I, I don't know, I'm speculating that it's going to take moderation, mediation um, from folks like you who are trying to keep the big picture in mind to go from I to we and have a collective victory for those big, you know, conservative policy issues, right? Well, I, I work so incredibly hard to get to where I am and to have the honor of representing my district in the Senate. I'm not willing to give away a year of my, my time here in the Senate just because there's infighting. My whole desire, and I don't, you know, we don't, we don't need a lot of attention. My whole desire is just to get the folks that are um, the decision makers at any given point, no matter who that is at a table and say, how do we move forward? And, and so I've, I've enjoyed a great relationship with Senator Igle and most of the Freedom Caucus folks. I have a great relationship with Caleb and Cindy and think, um, think they've done a, a fine job figuring out how to, how to create order and get big things done. We need to get more big things done. So there's really a demand on them to how, what's that path look like. But there, there, this is a relational business and you've got to, you've got to push people forward. And I'm optimistic that we can, we can get through these things. We can move forward. We can do big red, uh, Republican red meat things. And I think it's, I think that's what our voters are demanding. In that same vein, you know, can you talk about any of the discussions that have been going on with aligning the Senate's priorities with the House priorities? Because, you know, with at least respect with respect to initiative petition reform that got out of the Senate last year, but then got bogged down in conference with the House. So, you know, that seems it's fine if we can convince all the senators to, you know, to agree. But then also we've got to convince now the House uh, that, you know, the Senate's position is correct or whatever. You know, there has to be compromise there. So is there any work being done now? Um not only on order and priorities, but also the substance of those measures. Yeah, I think there's always a a need to to multitask here. You know, this is a relational business, like I just mentioned. You can't get you don't get anything done by being this one loud person. You have to convince a hundred people here in the Capitol to vote for your stuff. So you need eighty two state reps and you need eighteen senators to get anything passed in the legislature. So there's certainly a desire not just to get it through the Senate and send it over there. And, you know, you can't expect them just to take whatever you send them. Uh, you've got to have the relationships and the, the leadership over there. Um, I know that Speaker Plocker has always had this as a priority, uh, IP reform. So I, th- I always think there's a path and three and a half with three and a half months, it's a lot of time. Um, and if we get something out of the, the Senate early on IP reform, that that's a good sign for it. Now, last year, the, the speaker sat on it for a long time. We got it. We got a version of IP reform out of the Senate and he uh, he held it for a while before we actually got to work on it. And that created some problems. So I think that's figuring out what that path looks like is going to be crucial to get things like IP reform done. All right, Senator Travis Fitzwater, we thank you. And I know you've got some business to attend to <laughs> and plenty on your yeah. plate. All uh, all uh, best wishes to you. Thanks for being with us. Godspeed as uh, this session continues on. Hope you'll be with us and give us an update now and then. Yeah, glad to do it. All right, See thanks. All right, there he is, Senator Travis Fitzwater. Wow, reasonableness abounds if people would listen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we forget that the people that we hear about the most are only, what, four or five people out yeah. of a body of 34. And there are a lot of people, just like Senator Fitzwater, um, who are staying out of the fray. And I think it's going to benefit them. Not the to mention, there's another chamber down there, too. Yes. Right. There's a lot of uh, lot of negotiating that needs to go on. Well, when we come back, John, what are you negotiating on? Well, doctor, we'll let you tell them what parosmia is.
Okay, we'll work on that when we come back on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Thanks for making Wake Up Mid-Missouri your number one choice in the morning. And that would be all, except for this. It's called parosmia. The inability to smell the correct odor of food and drinks can also impact your sense of taste. And if you thought you had corona, but your your smell and taste came back, but tasting oil when you drink your coffee might convince you that's what was up. 35-year-old infectious disease doc from Emory University thought she was getting over, took a sip from a glass of red wine, <laughs> said it tasted like gas, and she had to dump it down the sink. Uh. She, said, she said the smell of cooked garlic and onions was intolerable. Meat started smelling like it was rotten. Had to even switch to bubble gum flavored toothpaste, and her <laughs> and her coffee smelled like diesel fuel. Doc says the final straw was her favorite takeout pizza. Smelled like a cross between a skunk and a wet dog. <laughs> and uh, one of her uh, one of her uh, colleagues said, "Make bad odors go away." Plug your nostrils with wet cotton during meal time. And so oh my that was a that was a prescription for the rest of that story. Well, we've certainly heard a lot about altered taste and smell uh, with COVID. It seems to hit people variably. I know my brother had it, and I think still suffers from it. But he he actually uh, and he's got culinary training, so it's really hurting him bad because wow. he loves to cook. And um, usually it will recover. It's from a, if it's from a viral illness like that. But you know, sometimes there's such a thing as olfactory training. You know, we think of physical therapy and mm-hmm. occupational therapy. Well, you can have you know olfactory therapy too. Well, and I um, one of my favorite episodes on Top Chef is when they give you the tray of like thirty different spices or crushed up whatever, and they compete to see, and you have to close your eyes, mm. and so they they can smell. But you know, when people say like you really do eat with your nose and your eyes, it's so true. It's and true. to watch people who are at the top of their culinary game not be able to identify a spice by taste or by smell. It's a good point. It, it's been it, it's been eye opening for me. Um, you know, I don't feel like I have a very discerning palate, but um, but yeah, I, I, it's troubling. Um, and certainly, I think with a couple of bouts of COVID, and, and even I have a little bit of a cold right now, yeah. um, you, you tend to lose the taste, and then it makes you not even want it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to enjoy food. Well, my, there's some of us who have fragrance allergies on top. <laughs> oh, yeah, that can be wicked. My father-in-law, after he had COVID, for a couple months, couldn't do dairy products because they just tasted sour and rotten. So no cheese... Uh, no milk, things like that. And it just, it eventually went away, but yeah, it was yeah. a persistent symptom that lasted for quite a while. Taste no. and smell are just. I think just taste, but yeah, I'm not sometimes, 100%. Yeah, and that's called dysgeusia. Oh. D Y S G E U S I A, where you just have a, an altered sense of taste, and sometimes it's bad. But it'd be good for dieting, though, in certain yeah. cases. A, a life with no, <laughs> no cheese yeah. is not a life I want to live. 
you know, when we did a little tour of the distilleries down in Louisville uh, with my son and daughter-in-law just, just several a years ago, tour. it was really interesting. We learned how to really sniff, and same with wine. You put your nose in the glass, but you keep your mouth open when you sniff. And because you actually have taste buds, you get a lot better fragrance. So a little hint, the next time that you take an aroma from your glass of your favorite spirits keep your mouth open while or, your nose or is if in you the don't want the aroma close your mouth <laughs> shoot it <laughs> oh boy it's crazy on uh, wake up mid missouri hey the impeachment articles on mayorkas are out let's talk about that a little bit after the top of the hour